Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. All right, guys. Today, we're, we're, the title of our sermon is All Things New. And so we are on the second week of looking as Jesus as the healer. Jesus is, I mean, he's everything you need, but we're focused on this week, um, these next couple weeks of him just healing people. So some situations where he healed people, how he did it, what the context was, and, and how that applies to us. Because I don't know about you, but I can read the word and that's great, but if it doesn't apply to me in some way, it's hard for me to remember. It's hard for it to stick. Are you guys the same way? You read your Bible and it's like, oh, how much did you read? I read a chapter. What, what was going on? I have no idea. I was not, I'm not even there. It's got to apply, right? It's got to be made real. So we asked the Holy Spirit to do that for us today. Today we've got a lot of scripture. Um, I wanted to cut down, but the Holy Spirit told me no. So we're not doing that. So we're just going to read the whole um, pretty much instance of what happened um, in Mark chapter 5. And we're going to start at verse 22. The context of this is Jesus you know, he just cast out a demon, um, and, and um, you know, we have this crowd that gathered, and they're scared to death. And so they gather, and they ask him to leave. And so Jesus pretty much rejected by these people, even though he blessed this man and changed this man's life. And so he leaves, he listens to him, and he gets on a boat, um, and he goes to the other side. And there, a crowd meets him, and they want him to be there. So I, mean, I think just in our own lives, you know, you're going to be rejected by people. You're going to be loved by people. Some people are going to want you to go away and never be there. Or and some people are just going to want to, like, I want you there all the time. And so Jesus can relate to that for sure. Um, so verse 22 says this. Are you there? If you're there, say amen. All right. Y'all want me to preach short today. That's what I'm talking about. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately... Immediately, the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. You know, the first thing that I want us to kind of focus on is, is you know, Jesus shows us, and he expects us to do this as well as Christians, is to have compassion for the suffering. That's something, that should be your heart. If you claim you follow Jesus, but you don't have compassion for people that are suffering, you might want to redirect where your heart really is. If you don't really care about people that are going through problems and situations and you just care about you, that's not Christianity. You can't, you can't just be a Christian just enough for you and yourself and your little me and mine. It's, Jesus is for everybody. And he wants you to go out and bless people and help people. And I love this with Jairus. Just some things that I want to touch on real quick. is It says Jairus, he's a ruler of the synagogue. And so he is this religious leader, right? And remember how Jesus talked with the religious leaders, the majority of them in his day? 
Like they would come to him and they're like, you're wrong. You're healing on the Sabbath. You're breaking all the rules. You're breaking all the commandments. You're making yourself equal with God. And he's like, you are so wrong. Like, I am God. Like, I don't know if you knew this. Like, I've, what has happened and what you study and what you memorize, I'm living out right in front of your eyes and you're too blind to see it. And so we would have these hard conversations, these hard talks with these guys. And these guys were just so prideful. They just, is my way or the highway? This is what it is. And I can't even listen to you right now. But with this guy, he's a religious leader, and yet he leave, lays all that down to fall at the foot of Jesus. And you got to think, he, he's at this point in his life, and I know it seems like we're on this case of desperation, what it looks like to be desperate. And so we see Jairus, his daughter is dying. Like, there's no one helping his daughter. Guess what? The religious leaders are not bringing any aid and bringing any miracles to his daughter. So he's like, I know of someone who can possibly I'm going to him and you got to think what he risked right he's risking like his job like his sense of being a leader what if the other Pharisees and religious leaders found out and they kick him out you're no longer leader of this synagogue you're worthless don't even come anymore he could have lost that community even he could have lost some financial support whatever else his comfortability of being a you know these these guys had such pride and people had so much respect for them right when they walk through they're like oh look at me I'm holy and everyone's like yeah you're way holier than us and so he would lose that right that false sense of pride and I it looks for us when we see people suffering whether it's people in our own lives or other people we see what are you willing to give up to share Jesus with them or to help them out what are you really willing to do like everything that God's given you and God's blessed you with, are you willing to give it up to help someone else out? Or does that stuff actually have your heart? Does that stuff actually have your soul? And your allegiance is more to your things and your position and your job and your family than it is to sharing Christ and blessing someone else. What are you willing to risk to do that? And it's, it's a beautiful thing we see that with this woman, what she's risking to even get close to Jesus. Because this is a woman who has this issue of blood. She has this blood disease for 12 years. Like, I don't even want to have a fever for 12 hours. Right? I mean, in reality, does anybody? And she's suffering this for 12 years, this discharge of blood. And I don't know exactly. I'm not a doctor, right? And the Bible's not too specific on exactly what disease it is. But you got to think, I mean, if you look at what she has been through, she's struggled for 12 years. She's suffered under many physicians. So you got to think all these doctors is like, I can fix you. I know what to do. Who knows the, the type of experimental treatment, right? Like they, they weren't the doctors we have today where everything's clean and sanitized, right? And so imagine what she had to go through just to get some kind of relief. And instead of getting any relief, she's getting worse. And she's at this point now, she's lost all her money. She's given everything to try to help her, to try to get better. And we look at this, what, what she's risking is that she is unclean according to the law she cannot touch people or she makes them ceremonially unclean like the lepers but instead of the you know the, it being so contagious it was just this social thing like you can't touch other people if you touch someone that means they can't go to synagogue right they can't worship god they can't go to the temple but this woman for 12 years couldn't go and she had this mindset of like maybe i think a lot of us struggle with too of that my problems, my issues, my situations, my sin keeps me from the presence of God. Like, there's no way God could really love me. There's no, if he really knew, it was like, God knows. 
God knows. And the beautiful thing about Jesus of what he did on the cross and that he died and rose again is that he wasn't so interested in that she can go to synagogue now. She can go to the temple. He wanted to make it where she could be a living temple. Where the presence of God could dwell in her, in her life, in her situations, and could flow out through her. And that is what she is risking. That is what God is wanting her to do. And so when she touches Jesus... She's changed instantly. Like, that's awesome. That is awesome. Because I know I've prayed for stuff, and I don't always get the instant answer. But the times that I do, it's amazing. Amazing, amazing. And so for this woman, she's immediately see, like she sees and she understands that Jesus has mercy on her, that God still has mercy on her, that God still cares about her. And I don't know about you, but I want to be, I know that I've, been touched by Jesus. I know that I've been blessed by God, and I hope you know that as well. If you're sitting here, you know Jesus. We're in the same boat, man. We're equals in this, that we have been touched by God. And I want to be the type of Jesus follower that is known to make other people's lives better. Like, I don't just want to be the Christian where I'm comfortable and like, you know, oh, me and my family are great, and we go to church, and that's awesome. But I want to be known that I, I give mercy to people that don't deserve it that I give compassion to people that don't deserve it, that are really hurting, that are struggling, that I can sit there and I can cry with them, that I can pray with them, that you don't always have to give someone the answer. You can just be with them. You can sit with them. You can love on them. I want to know that people can trust me when they come for me for prayer, that, that I follow through, that I'm actually praying for people, that I'm actually being there for people. But I, I want to be known for you know giving food to people that need food or, or, or giving clothes to people. But more than that, I want to point them to Jesus. I want to be known as the type of Jesus follower that that dude, we know, yeah, he loves Jesus. I want that to be the first thing that my reputation, that's what I want. I don't want to know, oh, he's a good guy or, you know, he's got a goofy smile or whatever else or he's a funny personality. I want them to know that dude loves Jesus. Like first and foremost, what I know about that guy. And, and how many of us want that today? Do you want that? That when people see you, what do they correlate? What do they relate? Your job, situation, how you get mad when you get really frustrated or whatever else, and what you do, you throw a table or something, is that, man, that guy loves Jesus. Like, what do we want? You know, I, I, I saw this interview, I saw half of it, and I was pretty uh, sad about what happened. This guy, and maybe you've heard it too, but this, you ever heard the band Hawk Nelson? It's, a, I think it's late 90s, early 2000s, am I right? Yeah? Heather said, yeah, that's right, cool. Um, so this band, they're, they're Christian band, kind of alternative rock or something, right? And so the lead singer, um, his name is John Steingard, he recently posted and shared an interview that he does not believe in God anymore, by any means. He doesn't believe in God. And so I was curious, like, why? Like, what happened? What happened that you said you had faith, but now you don't have any faith? And so looking at this interview, he talks about, like, he grew up Christian, he grew up in a church, and he was always like, I didn't have that aha, God saved me moment. Like, I was a drug addict for 35 years and then came to Christ, and not that you need that by any means, right? And he's like, I never felt like my testimony was really cool. And so he's talking about this, and then that, that wasn't it. What got him and what made him think in his mind, there's no way God can exist, is because he started doing some film work, and he went to Uganda, and he found a, a tribe of people there that had to be moved because of a guerrilla sanctuary was put there. So these people live there for generation upon generation. They live off the land. They don't have skill sets other than that. And they have to be moved. 
And he's starting to break down because these kids are young. You know, he's like, my kids are this age, you know. And now, like, they're going to curl up and die. Like, they have no help. They have no jobs. They have no skills. They have no food and all these things. And no one's taking care of them. And he, he came to the conclusion of there's no way there's a loving God that would allow this. There's no way. There's no way. And, man, I applaud him for his heart. I applaud him that he cares about those kids. I applaud him that he cares about his community. But that dude does not understand what God really wants from his people. This is what the Bible says on this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 3. I'll let it pop up. It said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. What is that saying? He had a problem with seeing that, you know, this Americanized church is what he basically called it. This Western church of, you know, we our version of prayer is like, God, give me a good parking spot today. Or, you know, help me wake up today or all these other things. And he's like, and I've seen God answer those prayers. But you have these people that are really suffering, that really don't have any food. And he's like, God, where are you then? And the problem is the disconnect of what it means to be a Christian. What it means to follow Jesus is because when you're put in that situation where you see suffering, where you see people really need help, it's not like, oh, Lord, where are you? He's like, I put you there. You're right there. You claim you follow me. You claim you have faith in me. Guess what? I give you comfort. I bless you. Do something. Do something about it. God doesn't want you to walk past people like, oh, that's really sad. Man, God, where are you? Be my hands and feet. What is wrong with you? Why don't you believe? Why don't you have the faith? And I think that's something that maybe the church isn't talking about more to do something to act that active faith that we talked about last week to really be a Christian is to have habits that follow that to love people to bless people. And so our stance shouldn't be solely like God. Why won't you help them? But he oftentimes shows us those situations, shows us those dark corners, those broken pieces in people's lives so that we can help them, so that we can bring that comfort, so that we, we like, I get it. I've experienced what you've done. I'm here to help you. Is it, is it that God brings us through terrible situations just so we can help someone out who has less faith than us? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe God actually wants you to do something about your faith in Jesus. Maybe he doesn't want us just to come on Sunday and sit here and this is great and I love the worship and everything's fine and, and uh, man, I'll come back in a week and I'm ready for another sermon. This is great. Like, what about the rest of the week? We get an hour here. You know, if you're on the worship team and you serve, you get two hours, you know, and then what about the rest of the week? What are you doing? What are you doing with your faith in Jesus? Are you looking for those moments? Are you waking up praying, Holy Spirit, show me what you want me to do today? Put someone in my path that I can bless, that I have compassion for. God, give me your heart. Let my heart break for what yours breaks for. Let me see how I can be used by you. That's got to be our heart cries of the church. Because if we're not doing that and we just get sit in our comfortable Christianity, we will end up just like this guy, where our faith becomes useless because we don't use it and we don't see where God is. Because we're not allowing ourselves to be used by God. If that sounded harsh, good. Do something about it, right? If that's the case and you're like, oh, well, it's Christianity's not comfortable. We live in a comfortable society where we can go to church and we can, you know, praise God and do all these things, but that is not the case for everybody. 
When you think you feel comfortable, think about those kids that need Jesus. And in those moments, you're like, how do I help? How do I help? Maybe God is calling you to go and be a missionary. Maybe there's some people in this church that's like, you see that need? Maybe God wants to use me. Seriously, consider that. And if you can't go for some reason, guess what? There are other people that really want to, but they need the funds and they need the resources that the church can provide so that they can get there. That's why this church supports missions so well. We know there is work to do. We know we cannot do everything, but guess what? God calls people to do it, and we can be just as a part of that as they are if we would trust God and bless people. Let's continue. I promise I'd preach sooner. I'm sorry, Greg. I may be a little longer than I thought. Let's go to verse 30. Still Mark 5. It says, And Jesus, perceiving himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? How many of us are sarcastic to Jesus sometimes? You ever do that? Isn't it good he didn't immediately smack him? He's just like, well, you're not there yet. Not there yet. And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. This is a perfect example of what it looks like and, and how we process our situation, our lives when faith is difficult. When, like that guy John, when he's faced with, where, where is my faith? Where does my faith rest? What's my foundation? What happens when... Following Christ gets hard. What happens when it's not so easy and it's not just getting up and going to church? Maybe it is God calls you to Pakistan and you're leading an underground church and you lost a member that week because they found themselves out by someone else who does not like Christians. And now you have to deal and you have to preach to this underground church and you know you just lost somebody, right? Like these types of things, like it's not just what we experience of, you know, I had a bad day or whatever else, but. And I'm not saying that's more or less, because we all have issues now, right? We all struggle with our faith now in some areas. Whatever you're going through, maybe it's even to witness to people. You struggle with, man, I don't, I don't feel like... You know, you look at Moses when God told him to go and speak to Pharaoh, and he's like, I don't have the words, Lord. Like, I'm, you pick someone else. Pick someone else. I'm, I stutter. I don't talk well. You know, and it's like, and God comforted him like, okay, I'll give you Aaron. I'll have you do this well. But it never once said, okay, it's all right. You don't have to do it. He had to follow through. That faith had to prove itself. And so for us, a lot of times, it's difficult. And with this woman, it's beautiful to see what happened. And, and Jesus initially, he knows that healing power left him and went to someone. He knows that someone came to him by faith. And he's like, who is it? And you may think initially, maybe this woman's view, she's kind of scared because maybe for a couple things, he's, he's, you know, he's a holy man. And what if he's like, how dare you come to me? You know what I mean? How dare, but that's not Jesus. It's not what he does. His, the reason he wanted to talk to her and have a face-to-face is because Jesus doesn't then and doesn't now just want to be known as a miracle worker. He doesn't just want to touch your life once and heal you and be done with you. 
He wants to have that relationship. He wants to have you face to face. He wants to talk with you. He wants to share things with you. He wants to know what's happening in your life, what you're going through. And for this woman, that was hard to do right in this moment. She had to be honest about what Jesus had done for her in front of everybody. But what she had weighing on her is, guess what? She had been ceremonially unclean. She had to get through the crowd somehow. Who knows how many people she touched? And we see with, we've noticed with Jesus' life how fickle the crowds can be. One minute they love you and the next they're trying to take you to a cliff and throw you off, right? Some crazy people, right? And so now she knows, oh man, like I've made all these people ceremonially unclean because I had to get through them. I had to touch them. I had to brush shoulders. And what if they're mad at me? And now, Jesus, you're telling me to be open and honest in front of all of them that could kill me? That's crazy. Not only that, she touched Jesus. She could have thought, I just made him ceremonially unclean. But that's not the case. We can't do that to Jesus, right? We can't pervert Jesus. He's too holy. He touches us and we're clean. We touch him, we're clean. It's never we can dirty Jesus or no matter how bad your situation or how matter bad of a sinner you are or whatever. Jesus, when he is in your life, you are changed instantly. He transforms you. And so for this woman, what she had to do, she had to be honest in the crowd. And I wonder for us if we can do that. Because that's hard to do, right? It's hard to witness to people and share our faith with people when all eyes are on you, right? When everyone's like, okay, go ahead. Tell me about your Jesus. Oh, oh, where do I start? You know what I mean? If you don't do it often, you can kind of have that situation. You can think maybe even the people that you've hurt. I know for me, when I got saved, I had hurt so many people. And then God challenged me to go and love them and share the gospel. And before that, I knew the people that I used to party with and do crazy things with, I, for a month, I stopped, and then I went back to the parties. But I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I preached Jesus to all of them. I shared Jesus with all of them. And at first, it was hard, and it was weird being the only Christian with people just you know drinking or whatever else. But I couldn't tell you the divine appointments that were there and people I got to pray for. And man, I killed the buzz all the time <laughs> at all the parties. They're like, yeah, and then I'd start praying and talking to people. And they're like, they just naturally wouldn't drink, and they would just want to hear about Jesus. People want to hear. People want to see a real relationship with God. So many people are struggling to find what is authentic. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Who is Jesus really? And Jesus, because of your relationship with him, you can represent that to them. You can show them what it looks like to talk to the King of kings and Lord of lords and have him care for you and love you because he wants to do that with all people. I think for Jairus, what he had to deal with, what was difficult for him in his faith is, you know, I tried to put myself in his shoes in this situation. And some things that could have been running through his head is, I came to you first. I love that this woman pressed her way to you. She got her healing. She explains to everybody. Javis is right there. He heard what she's been dealing with. But then someone comes like, your daughter's dead. What's the point? And don't we struggle with that sometimes? We struggle with God, I've been praying for this, or I've been waiting for this, or I've been needing this healing, or I've been needing you to help my mind or my emotions, and then you see someone else instantly transformed, and that's great, but it's like, what about me? Like, I've been trying. I've been following. Jesus, I came to you. And we see that what Jesus did is, it's amazing. And it reminds me of what Psalm 62 said in verse 8. It says, trust in him at all times, O people. Good times, bad times, crazy times, ridiculous times. 
perverted times, corrupt times, whatever, at all times in your life, O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. God wants the real you. He doesn't want this version that you like to project when it's like, oh, it's time to pray. Let me get my prayer voice. Be real. Be real. Talk to God like you would talk to me. Be honest. Share with them. If you're struggling, you look at David in his Psalms, he would start out like, everyone's against me. I feel like I'm going to die. No one's on my side. What the what, Lord? Where are you at? Answer me. Read the Psalms. It's intense. It's intense. And then afterwards, he's like, but I trust in you. I know you're there. You are my refuge. You're there for me. And God wants that. He wants the real version of you, not the Christian you're going to be in 10 years. Maybe I'll break that habit. Maybe I'll stop sinning that way. Maybe I'll stop sinning. All, you know, you're still going to sin. God wants you now while you're in your sin, while you're struggling, what you're dealing with. And so for us, for what he's trying to tell Jairus in this moment is the object of your faith matters. Jairus kind of got a glimpse of this because it's like it's not about he's noticed the money couldn't help save his daughter. Doctors, the woman too, the money, the doctors, the religious leaders, nothing could do what Jesus can do. That healing, that breakthrough, whatever, it's all through Jesus. It comes through Jesus himself. And so it's important for us that we realize that our faith rests in Jesus alone when we're going through problems. And that's what Jesus is telling him right now when faith is difficult. Like, follow me, Jairus. Keep going with me. We're still going towards your house. We're still going to your daughter. You don't, don't fear. Believe. And a lot of us, we find ourselves in those dark paths where there is no hope. And Jesus is like, keep going. Don't stop. Right now, this is not the place you want to be. Your breakthrough's right there if you continue to trust me. Your miracle, your healing is right there. I know you just watched them get healed and you're feeling some kind of way about it, but if you continue to trust me, guess what? I'm there for you too. I'm there I'm to give mercy for you just as well. Let's continue to verse 37. It says, And he, followed, or he, and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Who knew Jesus could rap? And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. And taking her by the hand... He said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. Yeah, I would be too. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. I think this is a beautiful example of what happens when death laughs at Jesus. When, when that dead situation, when, the, when everyone else is like, there's no way, they're laughing, Jesus, what can you do? And he's like, watch me. Watch me work. Watch me do what I came to do. And it's beautiful. I, I think for us, it, it, it resembles to us, and it did for me, this just spoke to me out, is your inner circle matters. Amen. Because Jesus took... Peter, James, and John, and for us, we're not the Son of God, so how much important do we need a strong inner circle, right? Jesus was training them, but we need people to fight alongside of us. 
There's this pastor at our old church, and Pastor Marsh, and she's known for saying, are you going to help me or are you going to hinder me? What type of person are you? Are you going to be there? Are you going to help me out? Are you going to fight with me? Are you going to battle with me? Or are you just going to get in my way? Because you get in my way, you need to leave. I don't need that kind of negativity right now in my life. There's something I believe God is calling me to do. I'm, I'm on a set path. And if you're not in, bye, Felicia. I don't need that nonsense, right? And I don't know about for you, but when I am struggling with my faith, when I am really down and out and I'm feeling some kind of way, I don't go to the people that make Christianity their Sunday thing. I don't go to people that don't spend time in prayer, don't read their Bible, don't care about helping other people, don't model Jesus, because I'm like, your faith is whack. I, don't, I need someone who talks to God, who goes to the throne room of heaven, who spends their time in prayer, and they fast, and they care about what they can do for the kingdom, and they fight for other people, and they show compassion for other people. That's the type of people I want to encourage me. That's the type of people I want to pray for me. More than that, that's the type of person I want to be. I want to strive that to be for someone else. I want to be that guy that when people come and they're struggling, that can be like, God, flow through me. Tell me what to say to them right now in their situation. And we look at what happens when that's not the case. We look at Job. Remember Job when he went through all his ridiculousness? And then his friends come to comfort him. And they're like, well, obviously you messed up somewhere. Like you, you know, I don't know. How'd you sin? What did you do last week? You know? And Job's like, you're terrible friends. You're the worst. Ah! wish I had better friends. And it's like, who's your inner circle? Who do you surround yourself with? With your problems, when your issues arise, who do you go to? Do you go to someone that just gives the advice that you like to hear? Or someone that's also going to challenge you? They're going to comfort you, but they're also going to be like, where are you at with Jesus right now? Don't want to talk about that. That's why I'm not going to you. Some of us need to be challenged. We look at, we look at what happened with this little girl and I love what happened with Jesus is, is with these people, with Jairus, what he's believing. Everyone else, they see this hopeless situation. The little girl is dead. It's over, right? It's all done. And that Jesus is like, it's not dead. And it came to think the Holy Spirit brought this to my attention. What is dead in your life that Jesus is trying to tell you, I want to bring that to life if you'll let me? What is it? Just let the Holy Spirit right now just speak to you. If there's anything, and I don't know who this is for. This could be just for one person, maybe not even in this room, but on the podcast. But who is it? What is it in your life that God is asking you? You think it's dead, but it's not. I need you to trust me to bring it to life. And what is it? It could be a job. It could be a ministry. Ah, it could be whatever your situation is. It could be a loved one that you think is too far gone. There's no hope. It could be your heart. That your heart is, is, is broken and it's dead and there's no way you could trust again. There's no way of what happened to you that, that it can be repaired. It's dead. It could be maybe even that, that you know, you've, you've prayed for people, prayed for people and you never see healing. You never see God flow through you right then and there. So you just thought, maybe that's just not me. Maybe God won't work through me. Maybe when I pray for people, nothing's going to happen. But what if it, that God's like, continue to trust me? I know I think when I pray for people, and I was talking this yesterday with our, with our growth group, that, you know, when, when you pray for someone, a lot of times maybe you won't see it happen. And maybe you pray for someone, and for, you know, you prayed for 100 people or 200 people, but nothing's happened. But what about, what if that one time you prayed for that blind guy 
and he could see. What about then? Is that going to push you? Be like, snap, this is awesome. I'm praying for 300 people now. You know what I mean? Like that should be our model. It shouldn't be just worrying about the results. God's in charge of the results, but it is our job to be faithful. Amen. And so for us, when we look at a situation, we think it's dead. When Jesus touches our problems, when he touches our issues, he makes them whole. Sometimes it's instant, sometimes it's over time. Jairus, his little girl, Jesus didn't speak the word and she was healed right then. He had to follow Jesus. He had to walk with Jesus all the way to his house, battling with faith, battling with doubt on his journey. And so I think for some of us, we can even think that, you know, that sounds good. Jesus brings things to life. So Christianity cliche, we know this. I've heard the sermon. But for a lot of us, and you think that, that, you know, you're like, that's cool for broken pieces. And that's cool, you know, your situation's broken and it's a puzzle and God knows how to put it back together. And you're like, but what about if it's dust? What about if it's just ground down? There's no more pieces. There's nothing. You know, I was, I was praying about this and, and I heard it put this way and the Holy Spirit just told me to say it this way, that even if your situation looks like dust, don't fear because that's the same resource God used to breathe life into and made man in the first place. So it doesn't matter what your resource like looks like, what your situation looks like, no matter how bad it's got, no matter how bad it's been, God's like, I can still bring it to life if you trust me. God created everything. He speaks things into his existence. When he started creating stuff, he didn't even have the dust. Guess what? He had to speak that into existence. It doesn't matter what your situation is. Jesus can transform it if we allow him to. If we continue to follow him, trust him as Lord of our lives. And I think it's beautiful that after Jesus did this, and after he healed this little girl, that he's like, don't tell anybody about this. And I thought that was peculiar. Maybe you did too when you first read it. I don't know, maybe not. But I was like, why wouldn't like Jesus make him? Tell other people about you. More people come to you. And, and, but Jesus' heart was not that he would just be some miracle worker. And our job as Christians is not just to go out and though we should pray for people and pray for healing, but that shouldn't be the end result. Our end result is that we teach them how to become sons and daughters of God. We share Jesus with them. And Jesus was like, I, don't, I, I love healing people. That's great. But I really care about your heart. I really care about where you're going, where you're going to be in 100 years. That's what I really care about. I can heal you, but guess what? You're still going to die. You're still going to have to face me on judgment day. And our job as Christians is, yes, we should pray for people, but we should share Jesus just as much. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing. People have to hear the gospel. They have to see it. They have to hear it as well. And so that pushes us to not only have compassion for people and trust Jesus when it is difficult and pray for the Holy Spirit to guide us, but to actually, you know, no matter what our situation looks like and if there's no um, good thing out of it, out of everything you're doing for God and you see no end and it's hopeless, continue to follow him. Continue to follow him. Continue to trust him because your breakthrough is coming. Your miracle is coming. Amen. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.